I thought it complemented what the rest of the band was doing so well and it took the sort of the punkish elements that we're doing and stretch it into more of like a, a indie rock palette yeah uh, in my mind and and so that sort of collaboration is it makes me so uh, so happy hello and welcome to where the living room used to be a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. I have a very special guest for you on this episode. Joseph Grillo from bands such as Garrison, Instruction, Gay for Johnny Depp, I Hate Our Freedom, Judas Knife, and now Her Head's on Fire, joins me for a conversation about his path in music, the perspective he tends to write from with regard to his lyrics, and why all his bands seem to be groups of indie rock all-stars. Her Head's on Fire have a brand new album out now on Iodine Recordings, so we spend a good amount of time delving deeper into the start of this band, their surprising practice and recording schedule, and their upcoming tour with One Line Drawing and Joe McMahon from Smoker Fire. This tour is taking them down the East Coast on their way to Fest in Gainesville, with a stop here in Rhode Island at AOS 220 on Saturday, October 22nd. So please mark your calendars for this, as it's a show you will not want to miss. As always, thanks so much for checking this out. Please follow Where the Living Room Used to Be on Instagram, and subscribe wherever you're listening right now, because I'll have another special guest next week from this tour, that I hope you want to check out too. What was your kind of like intro into into music? I mean, Garrison goes back to the the mid '90s. Were you playing mm-hmm. before that, or um, or how did I, even that band come together? Yeah, I was before that. I was in a band called Stricken for Catherine, who were. Oh, right, yeah. We didn't we didn't really play outside of New England, and we mostly played New Hampshire because uh, mm-hmm. that's where I went to college. Okay. Um, but uh, myself and Ed McNamara, um, who is the other guitar player in Garrison, were originally from um, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. Yeah. And there was a thing called the WAG, the Worcester Artist Group, that we used to go to a lot when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of it, it kind of fizzled out right around the time that high school was ending for me. So this this was like this mythological place where we saw all these great shows and performance mm-hmm. art and spoken word. And it was just, and we had open mic nights. So we started to, you know, play ourselves just acoustic songs um, and a real sense of, you know, belonging that I think that we were needing uh, in the world at that moment. Yeah. And so as that place sort of, I don't know if it fizzled out is the right word, but it kind of moved on to another chapter of what it was doing. I think some of the people involved wanted to, it to be more of an art gallery. Uh, okay. and less youth oriented ed started the space and he originally started it like as a you know I- illegal place mm-hmm. behind ryan's ironworks and yeah yeah st john's cemetery um and then it eventually became you know a, a legal uh, organization not non-profit and he was doing that while he was doing a band called uh iris who had these epic long beautiful songs they're kind of in that same world as cast iron hike but yep. um much uh, longer uh, pieces, and then I was doing the Spencer and for Catherine, who were also like 
we basically really liked Rodan and Soundgarden and Slint and Shellac. Yeah, yeah. You're putting all that together or trying to. Um, so as those bands were playing, a lot of our inroads into the scene uh, yeah. were because of the space. So Ed yeah, was okay. running the space. Um, a guy named Dwayne was helping him. A guy named Sean O'Connor was helping him. And some of the guys from the collective Agogo in Worcester. And then I was like one of the summer kids because I went mm -hmm. off to college. So I would come back in the summertime and like, you know, be there every night in the summer yeah, after yeah. my job. So I was like, I built the stage at the space. I like would set up sound. I would do sound. I would do door, mop the place, whatever needed to be done, mm -hmm. you know, and then I'd go back to college. So Ed was really instrumental in, in sort of being in touch with bands like Bane Mm -hmm. um, and Converge, who my old bit stricken for Catherine had played with the Huguenots, which is one of Kurt Ballou's old bands. Yeah, okay. Very like it, it was very common to run into people because there's only what, like two places to play in Worcester, and and yeah, you know, and there was like the Austin Food Co-op in Boston and a few other places. But point being, we all sort of coalesced um, as a sort of you know, you know, small pond, we all kind of know each other sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, in the summer of 98, both Stricken for Catherine and um, Iris had sort of run their course. And Ed and I were like, why don't we do something? Because we'd known each other since we were like 12. Mm -hmm. And um, in our minds, coming from this sort of epic emo metal pop, you know, metal thing, the Garrison was a pop band to us. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah, from our point of view, it was just yeah. it was, it was a three minute like, long song yeah, form. Like, what else was going on in Worcester? Yeah, you were definitely yeah. the <laughs> like verse the chorus, verse chorus, bridge yeah, chorus. Yeah. yeah, Converge was not doing that. No, verse, no. Not. <laughs> um, and so, so, but that that was really helpful. And then I had moved to Boston, and so I felt that like, well, that was our scene. You know, like mm -hmm. we weren't from Methuen or Andover; we were from Worcester. But, you know, once you get to that where you start reaching out a little bit bigger than your your own um, community, we found sort of kindred spirits with Piebald and Cave-In and Converge and mm -hmm. um, uh, Stan Code, the 914. Anyways, all these different bands. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then we started playing Boston more. And it was at a time in the sort of later 90s, 98, 99, where Boston was really hot. Mm -hmm. Um you know, not Seattle hot, but like basically, you know, to sort of armchair psychoanalyze the music industry after Nirvana, nobody that worked for A&R knew. Like you used to look at a band and be like, well, they've got good showmanship and like they kind of mm -hmm. sound like Def Leppard and they're going to they're going to do well. So because Nirvana surprised everybody, nobody knew what was going to do well. So everybody yeah. it was like a feeding frenzy. They're like, I don't know. What's the name of your band? Morphine? You have a saxophone player and a two-string bass slide bass player. Sure, we'll fucking sign you. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there was no like, it didn't make any sense. Primus, you do slap six-string bass. Yeah, doesn't belong on the radio. Yeah, let's sign you. Yeah, yeah. Um, songs about beavers and whatever. Songs else. about beavers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Jeez, the indie yeah. labels, I think, were taking yeah. were taking note and being like, well, this emo thing seems to be blowing up, and the major label world isn't paying attention to it mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. And then, uh, and so, anyways, that's in a nutshell how we went from like playing in little bands to putting out records that mm -hmm. were distributed you know yeah. in places and outside yeah. of our local communities yeah 
But I mean, it did seem pretty quick that you signed to Revelation uh, once oh, yeah. the, the formation of uh, of Garrison. Um, yeah, can you, I mean, can you talk about some of those? Well, just talk, I guess talk about Garrison. Just talk about some of the early days of that, and um, you know, I guess sure. what was it like for Garrison to play in Worcester? You know, like do you remember that first hometown show? Or um, yeah, our first show was with Elliot and Six Going on Seven at the space uh and halo box i think oh wow okay um it was great um it it was great because a lot of the kids that were at the space were um for short we call them like the canvas patch kids you know, okay, like the kids yeah, were like yeah. the, like the the canvas patches that were like, like the screen printed yeah, yeah yeah they were like yeah. safety pin to yeah. you know um and they were all the kids that were doing food not bombs on the weekends mm-hmm. and um i always and still do have have a a, a big love for that scene i just yeah. thought it was it was very um it was really trying to think outside of the box like every every sub scene it starts to get its own like starts to do its own little microcosm of of high school popularity and what's cool and what's not cool yeah. But I always felt those guys were pretty into being, you know, not just out there for being out there, like being out there and, and, and trying to educate themselves and doing like info shops and mm-hmm. you know, rather than throwing out a term like Marxism, being like, well, what is Marxism? Yeah. I want to read about that, you know. Um, so that was the original crowd we played to. Like there were mm-hmm. those kids in Worcester and those were the ones that made sense to me that I was like, wow, this is like our people. Yeah. Um, and then we got signed to Revelation, which quickly changed that um, because we did our first tour, you know, going up and down the East Coast with demo tapes that we'd made and shirts we'd screen printed from dollar a pound, you know, mm-hmm. um, at, we'd screen printed at the Collective Agogo. Yeah. And that felt like so unbelievably DIY, like in the in the in the, the best sense of of a youthful grasp on control over your destiny, whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know, like, you know, I'm not going to wait around. I'm going to, I want to play outside of my hometown and I want to play Boston and I want to play other States. Mm-hmm. And so doing that just felt there was so much freedom in that moment. Mm-hmm. And then getting signed to revelation on one level, we're like, Oh my God, all, all this more freedom that we can maybe we tour Europe one day and we can mm-hmm. get to the West coast. But with it came, you know, uh, you're part of a, a thing now. We were okay. we were glomming on to the thing that was Revelation Records. It was already had been existing. Yeah, since there was the like 80s. expectations of what the you know the bands might be. I mean, obviously there was yeah. stuff that you know varied from their typical hardcore stuff, but uh, there was certain ideas, um, both good yeah. and bad in a sense, right? Is that what you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah. mean, I think I think uh, you know I have a lot of respect for what Jordan did, mm-hmm. um, whether or not Garrison fit in the grand scheme. I don't know, but you know what? Mm-hmm. It's like conjecture. Like, I have no other reality that in, I can go to. I don't have a Rick and Morty space portal, so all I know is <laughs> yeah, the reality. That yeah, I'm yeah, in. and it, it exposed your band to yeah. so many people, and yeah, and yeah. opened so many doors for me for mm-hmm. other musical things. So I don't begrudge it, but I do wonder sometimes. I'm like, huh, was that the right fit for us? I'm like, it's a stupid question, but I still think about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that did change things because then we started being. I think kids like that would never normally have heard of us, uh, like the sort of the more straight edge hardcore 
kids mm -hmm. or the more metalcore kids, we were suddenly on their radar. Yeah. Or even the more like emo-y, like um, Sunny Day Real Estate kind of kids, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so things shifted. I always felt we we struggled a lot. I mean, we got a lot of the getting signed to Revelation itself was a huge um, deal for us. Mm -hmm. But then, like the next step, like getting a booking agent um, or or you know having things gel with like the record label and being like what a single was or like that always felt like a struggle. Oh, okay. Um, so, so then we spent the next five years sort of having experiences, you know, touring Europe, touring the UK, touring the States several times over, um, mm -hmm. getting to meet lots of different wonderful people and getting mm -hmm. to play a lot of shows. And a lot of the shows, hindsight's really funny because we look back on shows and, you know, they look so amazing to younger folks, but they don't realize there were like 20 people there. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> you'll see like, like the record release for our seven inch, it was like Blue Tip, Shiner, Six Going On Seven, and Garrison. And it was like, what a sick show. I'm like, there were like 25 people there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and they were, they, I don't know if they really wanted to be there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but uh, so, anyways, we paint the past over with gold a little bit. So, uh, so then I did that for a long time and it was really fun and, and really cool. And we got to make some great records with people we really respected mm -hmm. and always wanted to work with. Like, we got to work again with Kurt Ballou, yeah. um, Brian McTurnan um jay robbins we got yeah. andrew schneider we got to record with all these you know fantastically talented guys changed in for me in 03 um i had moved down to new york in a one and you know we were still doing garrison and whatnot um yeah. but then garrison sort of started to fizzle out the tail end of 02 and by mid 03 i had joined or mid 04 i had joined my friend's band called instruction yeah okay and they were on geffen records and that was guys from aerotype 11 and quicksand um, and that was totally new to me. I was like, I was like, whoa! Not only am I in a new city, mm -hmm. I'm in a new band where these people have only known me for a couple of years. Whereas, like everybody in Western Boston, you know, like, they knew what I looked like in high school. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, 
so that was all new and then we were also touring with like corn and lincoln park and snoop dogg and all these like mammoth tours yeah okay um, and that was a new animal for me to sort of digest yeah i can imagine yeah yeah <laughs> um it was fun but it was yeah. weird yeah it, it always felt really weird yeah like this is um, not <laughs> this is not my beautiful house this yeah whatever yeah. yeah yeah well especially because i was in the band when they got signed so i always felt like i never earned it you know like oh, I, okay. I, just, I was along for the ride i got um, you yeah and then at the same time i think because i had sort of had so much sort of artistic um input with garrison and then when in when i joined instruction i you know i was kind of like I was just like sort of a backing player. I yeah. was no longer a front man. I was just like a backing vocals guitarist that I felt like I wanted control of my own project. So I started Gay for Johnny Depp as like mm -hmm. just like an artistic outlet. Um, and they those bands kind of went concurrently for a while. Yeah. Um, and we had to use stage names because Geffen didn't want us to perform oh, really? as us. So yeah. Oh, okay. Because it was the singer from Instruction, I drafted him for yeah. For Gay for Johnny Depp. Also, oh, you needed to like have separation from that. Yeah, like, so that was Artie Shepard, and so for Gay for Johnny Depp, he was Marty Leopard. Yeah, I, I was Sid, I became Sid Jagger instead yeah. of you know Joseph Grillo. Yeah, uh, which I still retain because I don't want my coworkers to Google me. Um, oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just people were like, "Why do you change your name on your records?" I'm like, "Do you like? Do you think I really want people that I meet like like my my children's like." friends parents that i meet like to google me and find out that i was in these like ridiculous bands oh. <laughs> i'd rather just keep that. those yeah, lives okay. completely separate yeah yeah you know that's smart um, <laughs> so uh and then kind of a lot of years in new york playing music and touring you know yeah. I, new york was home base and really magical wonderful time of of kind of extended adolescence um mm -hmm. You know, uh, a lot of late nights, a lot of really cool, you know, bizarre experiences, which which New York tends to have. Yeah, it's to have not those... surprising to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's. I'm always amazed yeah. at the amount of things that be com compressed into like a day in New York mm -hmm. City. It's like you feel like you did a week's worth of stuff every day. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was. You know for the next 20 years i was in brooklyn and touring and then i stopped in 2015 to have kids mm -hmm. and now you know we took a five-year break um and now they're old enough where i can have a little bit more time to have artistic outlets that's good yeah you know and be a better parent because of it yeah and uh yeah so that's what i'm doing now yeah no that's cool i mean yeah that that's uh you know catches us up to where we're at with her heads on fire. So definitely want to dig in deep with that. Sure. Um, you have a, a new record that just came out this summer on iodine recordings, mm -hmm. college rock and clove cigarettes. Um, it's fantastic, Joseph. It's, um, Thanks. it's, uh, yeah. I mean, like, as, as I've said, you know, I've, I've been listening to Garrison for a long time and it, it's, it's, obviously a new record and you've advanced quite a bit, but it has more of that like reminiscent, sounds um which is cool you know just has that comfort um i mean i do have to shout out like the i hate our freedom band was fantastic and oh uh, thanks man the record, so, this not year's many best... people heard that oh really oh man uh yeah this year's best disaster is a phenomenal record um oh, thank you
yeah, but you know, with uh, her heads on fire, um, I guess even kind of similar with with both. I hate our freedom. Like it seems that you kind of compiled these all star bands, and um, <laughs> uh, how did that like come about? Like how did I guess we'll keep focused on her heads on fire, but like how did that band start? Um, and uh, you know, I mean, you were just talking about looking for an outlet. Like, did um, did you kind of have that come together? Like, I I, I want to start a new project. I, I know a couple of friends. Let's you know send some messages out and see if it comes together, or or what no. was the genesis of the bands? That was more organic. So okay, so I Hate a Freedom used to uh, tour somewhat regularly with a band from Chicago called All Eyes West. Oh, okay, um, and we were just pals, you know, and just sort of felt like a, a kinship. And Jeff Dean, the guitar player uh, and songwriter, and I always sort of kept in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would send me song ideas for because he's in so many different bands um, for different projects he was doing. And he'd just be like, "Hey, can can you give me some help here with a melody? I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know where to go." And he, there was something he was doing or something somebody else was doing. And after a couple of these, I just felt like you know, I was like, "Jeff, like you know, the things that I'm choosing to do with my voice might not work." for someone else's voice like because my writing is going to be sort of um tailored to the tone and timbre of my voice mm-hmm. um and so i said why don't you and i just do a seven inch you know and just like and and because we had both had such a love affair with like touring the uk in mm-hmm. um, years ago we were just like let's do a seven inch tour the uk for like a week it'll be so <laughs> much fun you know yeah yeah and it just quickly snowballed into a full band with a full record and mm-hmm. a record label and split seven inches and touring opportunities, yeah, uh, which all came very quickly to us, um, which was really fortunate. Yeah, you know, like what what year was that that this started to come together? Uh, twenty twenty, I, I guess, like twenty twenty nineteen. We okay. Had, we had two practices, I think, before the pandemic, mm-hmm. and then, but we'd already had the record written, so I think we've only had four practices. Who uh, who was doing the writing then? Was it uh, Jeff? The way this band works is yeah. Jeff pretty much writes the songs on guitar uh, in their entirety. Oh, okay. And, and then we'll send it to me as a demo, um, uh, with no with no information just it's just like this so. wall of noise yeah your palette you know what i mean to 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 draw on and so mm-hmm. so then i put vocals on it uh send it back to him and then you know we get the rhythm section involved okay um, and this is the first time i've ever worked like that and i mm-hmm. really enjoy different combinations and collaborations in in, in different ways because i think it kind of keeps my mind somewhat limber yeah um you know, so some, you know, like uh, I think Garrison was like Ed or I. We, we had the genesis of a song and a chord progression, and we'd write it. He and I would write it at each other in a room, yeah, and flesh it out. Um, Gay for Johnny Depp was all me. I was just like, I'm going to create this. And it's going to be mm-hmm. exactly like this, and then I gave it to Artie, and it's like, go crazy, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. edit it. And then I Hate of Freedom was going to be was more Justin would have a lot like I would have like maybe a riff and I would let Justin the other guitar player take it and then with, that was a little bit more um, democratic in the song okay yeah um, and then Judas Knife which is my band with Drew from Into Another 
that's very like just him and I sort of like coming up with rhythms and we're all basing everything on rhythms and then stacking upon it. And so this was so much fun because I, it took all the chord structures out and I don't have to think about chords. Therefore, it's easier from my point of view to put a melody over it without thinking of like where my hands are. Because oh, okay. I'm so visual. I have a tendency that like if my hand is doing this, my voice will go up with it. Oh, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if, I, if I'm not doing that physicality, it's easier for me to write a melody that belongs with the chord progression, but isn't married to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really fun to, to work that way. Yeah. Um, and th- to answer your question about why I play with like the, the emo rock all-stars, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's because that's all that's left in my peer group. Like, you know, everybody splinters off and quits music, not everybody, but a, lo- a huge chunk of folks. And yeah. they decide to, to go off and do other things. And so, it's nice to have uh, a subset of people out there that have had similar experiences touring, mm-hmm. recording, um, and so we have a similar similar vocabulary, and it's mm-hmm. easy easy for us to just get into a room and create. It's not that I haven't worked with other people, you know, that didn't put out records from the '90s on. It's just that I just keep coming back to that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes complete sense, and like what you just said of like just being able to just sort of be at that same starting point like it like what you said that same kind of vocabulary or just no i mean it's it's surprising to hear that uh you know like uh how quickly this kind of came together and just how that process was for this album um because yeah i mean it it it's it feels more again like that like 90s rock you know stuff that was there i mean maybe 90s rock is the wrong word but like the the mm-hmm you know, indie emo stuff, whatever you want to call it, that was coming out in the nineties that has more of that feel, which mm-hmm. nobody was doing, you know, sending tracks to people and back pro- probably, you know, like at least that mm-hmm. I knew it was like, you know, my experience was like, yeah, we get together in someone's basement or someone's garage and we hash the stuff out and then we go play it and then we get better at it, you know? So I just like that, that rawness that is on this record. And um, uh, yeah, I mean that, that stuff, comes through like it doesn't seem like a, a distance project with with people you know so uh you know you mentioned some of the seven inches that you've done as well which are mm-hmm. you did one with jay robbins um you did an awesome cover of a google dogs dolls song which is rad um yeah like uh i, I did an interview with gail greenwood from belly a little while mm-hmm. ago um i don't know if you're familiar with with her with uh with them and stuff like that but they used to um they toured with the google dolls and i were like really good friends with them back in the day so um it's just cool to get more introduced to them um but yeah with uh with your lyrics on this record um Mm -hmm. on the uh college rock and clove cigarettes record to me they seem like they're much more personal and almost kind of like introspective, if you'd say that, than some of the other stuff that you've done. Um, like, I mean, is that, is that true at all? Or was it, uh, you know, like to me, it's almost like you're talking to yourself about talking to another person. And, and like, at least that's how I um, kind of hear it come through. Um, A lot of my songwriting is, is um, love and or hate letters to myself. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, um, especially, oh, not always, but a lot, oftentimes, um, a lot of the earlier stuff that I did that, that would be quite angry 
mm-hmm. um, sort of like uh, sounding like it was at- attacking someone. It, it was attacking sort of an aspect of myself that I wasn't um, particularly happy with mm-hmm. or something that I saw in myself reflected in others that I didn't really appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think I, I, I haven't really done a deep dive on my own lyric writing recently about where what my perspective is per se I, I'm, I'm trying to think i think there's a little bit more positivity mm-hmm. um you know if i think maybe i listen to some of the some of the um some of the i hater freedom stuff some of the some of the garrison stuff has has a lot of um meanness in it mean or anger maybe mm-hmm. uh angst if you will um but i think there's that i i still have or, or try and channel a lot of that energy, but from a slightly more positive um, point of view at this point. Mm-hmm. I would like to be slightly more positive. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it definitely has that that vibe. I mean, I think that uh, what comes through is just, I mean, the choruses, it has some just great sing-along pieces to it. Um, like when you and... and, and uh, Jeff, we're kind of starting to talk about this stuff. Like, was it, did you have an idea of what the band was going to sound like? Did you have like intention of like, we want to do a band that's going to have, you know, great guitar stuff, choruses, or was it just, he was writing you and that was just your initial uh, inspiration that came from it. Or were you like, we're going to do a band that's, that kind of sounds like Garrison, but a little bit, you know, whatever, cleaner and and choruses, or we're going to do a band that, you know, um, goes in a different direction no there wasn't it wasn't premeditated like that okay um, i've done things like that before mm-hmm. and i really sometimes like or dislike the way it comes out but yeah. this this was and and i think if you're going to collaborate um it's nice to have like a general idea or like mm-hmm. a, you know like a, a sort of like a blobby gray area to shoot at yeah um but you also have to be open to the influences of other people taking those ideas and changing them in a way that is better than you could have ever done on your own. Hence why we collaborate. Um, yeah. And I think there's a lot, one of the really cool things about, you know, all the, the music musicians I happen to work with now in both Judas knife or, or uh, her heads on fire is there's a lot of give and a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. And so there was no discussion. It was like, you know, we weren't like, oh, let's do a shoegaze band or let's do like this kind of, you know, thing or like let's do a replacements kind of thing. It was just like, here's some songs, Joe. Yeah, okay. Put what you're going to do on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and then I did. And then, you know, there'd be a little bit of back and forth. Like, you know, I think, Jeff, for what I want to do here, this chorus needs to go longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, or vice versa, you know, he would he would listen back and be like, you know, I think you should repeat that part again but later on in the song like that kind of stuff and because you know we've all sort of worked so hard at the craft at this point we're very easy to give into that whereas if we were 20 i think we might have more ego attached to our songwriting yeah Yeah. so it's it's a lot more like yeah that's cool like and Mm -hmm. you know uh if i want to do my idea i'll do it in another song Mm because we're going to keep writing and then once we got the rhythm section into that always makes everybody you know once genster bloom got involved the drummer mm-hmm. he's such a consummate performer and somebody i really wanted to work with for a long time um 
bit, I was so honored that he was just like, oh, I want to do this. I was like, <laughs> cool. are you kidding me, man? Like so now, like, I'm just like, wow. Like, okay, so I, I, I can't fuck around. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff now. Like, all right. All right. And then like once Rodrigo got involved, like his bass playing is so melodic and sort of very REM, like Mike Mill style to me. Mm-hmm. It, I thought it complemented what, what the rest of the band was doing so well. And it took the sort of the punkish elements that we're doing and stretch it into more of like a, a indie rock palette yeah. uh, in my mind. And, and so that's, that's like that sort of collaboration is, it makes me so, uh, so happy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just because again, the end product ends up being something that I could never have maybe, I maybe could have dreamt it on my own, but I don't think I'd be able to create it on my own. was it like for you to record this album you went out to chicago for this right the nope those no, guys did they went out and just recorded it all oh okay uh, instrumentally and then uh jeff dean flew out and we found a place um called the buddy project in brooklyn and you know did it, it did all the vocals in in afternoon um, oh, okay and then he he mixed it together back in chicago wow yeah. that's nice so later lift for you you know Seems yeah like... it, was, it, was, it was nice yeah um yeah it was recorded in one day and then the vocals were done in one day and then sort of patched together so it was just uh it's my one of my favorite quotes from george harrison is he talks about uh the beatles first album and he said uh the, the beatles first album took two days to record the second one took even longer <laughs> yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) because he was just like get in get it done get out yeah Um, and uh and that i like that sort of rawness yeah especially for what we do yeah you know i i don't i think rock music should sound a little bit by the seat of its pants i think it should Mm -hmm. sound a little bit like they may not know where they're about to go next Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and, and so that's something i quite like uh, mm-hmm. that I think, uh, you know, doing it the way we do it, uh, helps to capture that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I really dig, uh, well, the whole album, but common shame and rising tide are fantastic. And, um, and matchsticks, like just that, that build up to the don't look back now section is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, are there any tracks of yours that you, 
enjoy um, the most or, you know, we'll... I like Rising Tide a lot. I think the yeah. more the more we play, and that's the thing is like we've we've had double the amount of shows if we as we've had practices at this point. So we've had eight shows and four practices, <laughs> um, and uh, and so the more we play live, that's always one that I feel like oh I like this. This is a nice. It fits nicely where where we play it in the set, and yeah. um, and it also brings my voice down a little bit. Which yeah. I, which is is kind of fun uh, to do. Um, I mean, I do I do like them all, but that one tends to to stick out. Rising Tide is sort of a, a current favorite. Yeah, nice, nice. But yeah, I mean, you talk about shows. Let's talk about your tour. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to be heading out down the East Coast from Boston down to Gainesville for Fest, um, and. Yeah, you'll be stopping here in Rhode Island. Um, have you ever played Rhode Island? Oh yeah, events? several times. Yeah, several where, times. Where have um, you played? Can you talk about some of those shows? Uh, I want to say ASC twenty. I want to say the Strand. Okay. Is that right? Yeah, Strand? yeah. Strand that, is like the the, the larger room? like yeah theater. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to think over the years. I'd have to go through and look. So all my bands and we, you know which venues we played. I think mm-hmm. we we also played like a practice space at one point. There was like a, a warehouse that had practice spaces. I think I played a practice space at some point too. Oh, um, cool, cool. Uh, and then AS220 was always like the venue. Like that was yeah. a cool place to play. You know. Um, yeah. So to play there again after all these years would be cool. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, especially if, you know from what you were talking about with like the wag and all of these other oh, yeah. you know, art spaces. It's definitely that here in Rhode Island and you know it's one of the oldest continuously running all ages clubs in the country you know so it just has this history and um yeah it's just the it's just all inclusive and it's wonderful what they do so yeah I think that's great and it's actually going to be our first show because unfortunately we're going to have to miss Boston um oh, wow, the other okay. guys are going to do it but the drummer couldn't the drummer had a um an engagement with something else that he was doing. So unfortunately we just found out we're gonna have to skip the Boston show. So Rhode Island will be the first show for us, but not for one line drawing and Joe smoke fire. They're going to be doing, um, O'Brien's in Boston. O'Brien's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you looking forward to most on this tour? Just getting it out there. You know, I, I, my hometown is my least favorite place to play. You know, um, why is that? I just don't, you know, it's always nice. It's always nice when friends come out to support. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's really, it, it's lovely that they do. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like after the first show, like if this isn't your thing, if like, if like what I'm doing, like this noisy guitar rock, if it's not your thing, don't come anymore. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you're not yeah. doing me any favors. Like, like I'm happy that you're here, but I'm also like... I can tell you'd rather be home, like <laughs> listening to Nina Simone, drinking some tea. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you should do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when I play outside of New York, you know, other than a uh, you know a handful of people here and there, just that I haven't seen in a while, most of the people at the shows are there because they want to be there mm-hmm. and they like this kind of music. And mm-hmm. so that's always fun for me, and I feel like I can perform better. Whereas I yeah. just always have this like sort of hometown anxiety of like. Just feeling like, oh, my friends felt like they had to come out. I mean, maybe, maybe that's a shitty. Like, maybe I should just appreciate that they're there and not, and not be so negative about it. But I tend to just be like, you know, oh, guys, 
go home. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I hear you. You're making complete sense of uh, of that. Yeah, there's a difference. Uh, shifted and kind of stressed with that of uh, of how people are perceiving it. You know, like it's if you're playing in front of strangers and everyone's there for you. You know, like uh, it can uh, feed into that energy and in a more positive way than thinking of the. I don't know. There's probably like a Seinfeld episode where there's just someone standing in the back and like, you know, what is that guy thinking back there? You know, so yeah, exactly. And I don't <laughs> want to think about that. Yeah, exactly. Saying, I want to be here, know? and you know, the people singing the, my words back to me, not the yeah. I what is that present. guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I'll be there. You know, Saturday, October twenty second, awesome. um, eight p.m. at AS two twenty, snow plows which is a Rhode Island band, a fantastic uh, band from here. They do some really interesting stuff. So it's going to be an amazing show. Yeah. With uh one line drawing, um, as you just mentioned, which is Jonah from mm-hmm. bar and gratitude and a ton of a new end original. Um, and then obviously Joe from smoke or fire, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. And how about uh fest? Have you been down there? I've past, never so. done it before. Jeff Dean, yeah. our guitar player, has played it like 17 times. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've never done it because I've never been in a band that sounds like hot water music. And it seems yeah. like that a lot of the bands, well, I mean, it's not a yeah. diss, like, no, no. but a lot of the bands tend to be like that sort of yeah, hot, hot yeah. water music, Gainesville, throaty yeah. um, rock sound. And so I've never been invited to do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite happy to go yeah. down uh, and play. And I think to you know, the thing I'm looking forward to in tour is like, not only it'll be nice to, you know, going on tour with people is always great. Like seeing Jonah and seeing um, Joe, not just one night, but night after night after night after night. And not just appreciating what they play, but sort of watching them do their craft. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I really like having the, 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 the opportunity to watch somebody night after night perform Mm -hmm. and see the arc, you know, and and then we're playing with at least one local band in every town. So I also get to meet totally mm-hmm. new folks in that town and watch them play, mm-hmm. you know, and and I find that very inspiring. You know, I was never really one to, you know, to just like sit in the van or the dressing room and wait for my turn to go on stage. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. always curious about what's going on. Like I want to see all the merch tables and I want to see, you know, who's selling what zines and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I want to see the other bands playing because I just... I mean, that's the thing that that bit me when I was a kid, and it still yeah. kind of still kind of jazzes me. So I like that a lot. So yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. And fest will be cool. I mean, I don't really know what to expect other than, you know, I think a lot of people and a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> that's my <laughs> well. I've uh, I guess I am. Um, you know, again, I'm excited to see you in a couple of weeks, uh, but I'm kind of jealous because. I, I was able to play it a few times. I did not, I played in a band that did not sound like hot water music, but somehow, you know, we, I was on tour uh, and Tony happened to be there, like not at the fest. And he was like, you should come back and play this festival that I do. And awesome. we had no idea it was fest. It was just, we went back to it. Um, but no, I got to play it a couple of times and it was honestly probably one of the best shows I've ever played in my life like we play I, I played in like a celtic punk band sort of dropkick murphy's pogues ish kind of stuff for a period so oh, nice. we played at this like pub across the street from uh like the main venue and i guess to put it in a nutshell like we were playing exactly opposite dillinger four across the street so we're like 
no one's going to be at our show. Like, why would they? They're all going to be there. But we played this place. It was packed. There were people that like, I mean, they were there for the festival, but they like knew who we were, which never happens on tour, but they knew who we were. Like we're singing our lyrics back to us, singing along. And it was just like fantastic. And it's the vibe. I mean, I haven't been in a while, but, and you know, Jeff can talk more about it, you know, but Mm -hmm. just the vibe is fantastic. Just people like every band is there and they're all just walking around and they're doing these other sets, you know, getting to see, you know, small brown bike do a acoustic set as you know, big black motorcycle in a coffee shop only happens there, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, it's a really cool time. So I'm excited for you. Um, you know, it I'm seems exci- like, it seems like the real, that, you know, that I think that, that in my mind, that sort of thing used to happen in lots of different places. Mm-hmm. It seems now that fest is like, if you like that kind of music, that's your thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I'm so excited to see, uh, 84 tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see um, Hey Thanks. I really want to see uh, my label mates. Um, yeah. You know, and so uh, Drowning Man's going to play. I haven't seen Drowning Man for fucking ever, so yeah. that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, Piebald. Like, like, that to me is like, uh, again, that sense of like the larger community. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and so so I'm I'm hoping you know I don't want to get my hopes up too high because I don't like being disappointed but I know yeah um, I, I know I want to couch this as well too I don't want to yeah. be like well James said it's going to be fantastic and everyone's <laughs> going to sing every word of my song but no but like I, I want to feel I want to feel or hope I hope to feel that I'm in in uh, among kindred spirits yeah you know? I'm sure you that's, will be that's all yeah. I want that's a good time know uh again the album is out now on iodine recordings uh vinyl is still available um i personally have the cassette uh because i'm a god you got the cassette yeah yeah um and uh yeah so just check that out iodine record iodine records.com um and then yeah please come to as220 october 22nd uh to everyone that's listening here in rhode island and then if you're listening outside of rhode island down the East Coast, the tour dates have been announced. You're hitting Philly and Richmond and Chapel Hill and mm-hmm. Charleston and it's going to be New, really New York fun. City. You know, uh, New York City. <laughs> there's yeah, a place like... called New York City. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some people have heard of it. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, you know, uh, and yeah, it's a fantastic package tour. Um, it's really amazing to see what's been happening with iodine. I mean, I've I've knew Casey back in the day kind of like peripherally um 
and, you know, was familiar with Orange Island, you know, mm-hmm. back then. And then obviously you put out some stuff with uh, Garrison uh, back then. But, you know, after this break, um, it's even kind of hard to keep up with everything that Iodine is putting out. Like, you know, I was, you know, um, you know, I'm uh, friends with, with Paul DiCiccio from Tor Johnson Records, who's helping mm-hmm. with this show at AS220 on October 22nd. And uh, yeah, he was just talking. It's like, oh yeah, Casey's going to start the label back up. We're going to like co-release this There Were Wires record. And Paul was super excited. And I was like, oh, that's great. And then I looked and then it seemed like there were like 10 more records out that Iodine had all of a sudden done or whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, putting out the one line drawing record earlier this year. It's uh, so it's just been amazing to see. It's fantastic stuff, you know, and great looking Casey's vinyl. Unstoppable. And, you know. <laughs> He's unstoppable. Casey is just like, he, you know, I, I talk to him all the time and He's also like, oh yeah, I decided to do this. I'm like, you did what? Like, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's it's such a like. W- w- the thing about it is, it's not like it's not just a mammoth undertaking. It's a mammoth undertaking where he is OCD about the details. Oh, okay. So it's not just like, you know, him doing the label and doing it right. It's like he he will like text me and be like what do you think about the the color hue of this graphic for the instagram page i'm like <laughs> i i i don't you know like yeah yeah and it's like no it has to be right and and that level of of professionalism mm-hmm. and uh attention to detail uh is so um inspiring to be around you know mm-hmm. and it's, i think it, it it helps everybody that's on that label feel that sense of like wow this is we're part of something cool here right now mm-hmm. like what no i'm not sure what this is but it, i like it mm-hmm. and um and i think that that's really nice i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of like sort of mutual appreciation that goes around yeah and i guess i just kind of have like one other question i mean i usually sure. do some other segments here but um mm-hmm. you've done a lot you know a lot of different bands different levels of, of those bands like is there any music advice that you would pass along to someone from your own experience of, of doing this, of, you know, creating and, and touring and everything that you've done. Um, don't, don't try and game the system artistically, Like, do the okay. art you're going to do and then oh, okay. game the system as far as like figure out the best way to present it. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and make sure your performance is as good as it can be. Like basically, but make something that would blow you away. Mm-hmm. You know, because I th- I don't I think joy and authenticity are are contagious. And and I think that when something is from someone's heart and they're really like, man, I am so happy to be doing this music. This makes me so happy that that is like infectious Mm -hmm. and and i think to do anything else like to do whatever's trendy or cool um i think is a disservice to yourself as an artist Mm -hmm. Uh, i think and and i think you know for the most part you set yourself up for failure i think there's this big mythology in the music world that we think about bands like the police they oh they pretended to be punk it's like Mm -hmm. not really you know what i mean like they were lucky you Mm -hmm. know like they they it, they weren't Svengali's. They weren't like, let's do this punk thing so we can be these huge megastars. It's like, <laughs> it just kind of happened that way. Like, you know, yeah. and I think in, in hindsight, they want to pat themselves on the back and be like, we were so clever. And you're just like, <laughs> we got lucky, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's the way, that's the way it is, or, or at least my, the tendency that I see is that people 
that sort of shine uh, and, you know, are the people that are doing it because we don't really know how long any of this is or mm-hmm. what anyone's artistic pinnacle is. You know, the, you know, the, the next show I play might be the, the best and last show I ever play in my life. So I better fucking appreciate it. I better enjoy it. It's not a stepping stone to something bigger. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just a show and I want it to be special. If there's three people there or 3000, mm-hmm. that's all I would say is like, is be happy doing what you do, whether people care about it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been like a core thing that I've had to battle with. I mean, I've been playing music since, you know, 90, whatever, four ninety five, And, you know, it's mm-hmm. been um, that same type of thing. I'm just making music that I would want to listen to. And, you know, I've, I've Did our that... bands ever play together. I don't think so. No, I happened to, uh, I, I did a lot more stuff at the espresso bar. I was kind of rolling oh, yeah, with that, course. that crew. Um, coincidentally, I did open for far back in, 97 or 98 or whatever awesome. they came through um so that was uh yeah a special moment to to be with that but yeah definitely kind of hung with more with that that crew over there um so i don't think i ever got to to play with you but yeah i was just a, a big fan and um was good friends with uh do you know merrick jamalowitz uh, of like, course yeah, yeah. yeah okay like we were like super good friends. He used to like sleep on his floor and we had like a mail route. We'd go to like the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and wake up at like two in the morning and go deliver stuff. But, uh, oh, man. uh, yeah, we used to hang out all the time. And I, I actually, he was, uh, probably the person that like introduced me to, to Garrison. So it was oh, cool. Uh, cool. He made me like this mixtape, uh, which was rad when people would still make mixtapes that had, you know, you on it and, best. you know, probably some get up kid songs and, uh-huh. um, I gotta. I think I still have it. I gotta go find it. But yeah, it was like he's, the, the is he a booking agent on the West Coast now? Yeah, he works. Uh, he's Appleseed Cast's booking agent, ah, okay. um, and he works for uh, the agency group. I think it might be. It's like okay. a. It's like a. Yeah, he's he's moved up the ranks. Um. Ah, yikes! Uh, he doesn't work for that company. He works for Ground Control Touring. Sorry, Merrick. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to stay in touch with them. I mean, I've emailed them back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, a while ago. But uh, yeah, love that guy. Uh, I think uh, it's so exciting to see what people are doing. Like, you know, that, you know, people that are, are a particular nature gravitate towards different things. Like, you know, mm-hmm. some people, you know, wrote zines. Like my friend Mike Fournier wrote zines and now he's a mm-hmm. published author, you know, and he was just sort of following this through line. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he took it there. And like people, you know, that that sort of, like the booking guys like Matt Pike and Rama did, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like with, with like big wheel. And I think he's like, he's really huge in like the cannabis world right now in like LA or somewhere on the West coast. Um, it's so fascinating mm-hmm. to see like all the offshoots mm-hmm. and on one level it's, it's, I think, Oh, it's how surprising. But on another level, I'm like, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because, yeah. because what we did essentially is when we were younger we just found like-minded motivated people mm-hmm. to collaborate with whether it be collaborate making t-shirts or mm-hmm. records or, or being promoters or sound engineers or recording or you know books or zines like i think it's great to, that so many people decided to sort of glom on to the 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 sort of artistic thing that was happening in central massachusetts mm-hmm. Rhode island boston um that was happening because i think it was it was pretty unique 
and and pretty i think in a nutshell i think james we're very fortunate yeah oh absolutely yeah um yeah just the the scenes that we're able to to come up with just to be surrounded by music i mean there there wasn't uh uh like a weekend without great shows and that's the same thing here in rhode island i mean probably mm -hmm. even more so i mean we can look at club babyhead monthly schedules or any of the other places and, and just see that it's just this like day after day week after week like seven seconds is playing and then this you know just mm -hmm. this sort of like boston and new york um thing but yeah it's the same thing i don't remember too many weekends where i was like oh no nothing is happening you know i was like we mm -hmm. can you know you're right that there weren't it's it's not new york where there's you know a thousand clubs that are that are happening but it was like we could still go hit stuff you know um the espresso bar usually had some stuff or yeah the space was doing something or wherever else it was some kids were doing stuff at a vfw hall mm -hmm. um like so oh i just remembered was, another know. place in providence i think it was in providence taz the temporary autonomous zone oh that place we played garrison played and i want to say oh two wow what was that place do you remember any, it was any like it, it, it was like a glorified coffee shop that had movies in the back i think they were playing like forbidden planet okay and, and it was like a vegan cake pastry shop too yeah um, you know it's like the kind of place when you show up you're like yeah this, <laughs> this is right where i belong yeah yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i remember that i remember that because it had the taz the temporary autonomous zone and i thought oh that's that's a clever, clever yeah idea. yeah cool well joseph thank you so much uh of course this has been uh fantastic to get to talk to you and yeah everyone please pick up the uh, latest her heads on fire record from iodine and uh check out all of Joseph's back catalog. It's all fantastic. It's mm -hmm. all different. Uh, and um, yeah, just some really interesting stuff. That's, uh, I mean, it's meant a lot to me in my, my life. So thank you so much. And uh, I will see you in a couple weeks. Awesome. I look forward to hanging out and, and drinking a lot of coffee. Cool. All right. All right. Take care, James. All right. Bye. Bye.